0: May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning, my name is Mike McGowan. I'm the pastor here at Parkway Fellowship, and I want to welcome you today as we wrap up our uh, series called Legends. Um, and in fact, I want to tell you about what the time when I first heard about today's legend. I remember I was about seven years old, and I was at my grandma's house, and we were in the kitchen, and she was uh, baking chocolate pies. I remember it clearly because she always let me lick those little twirly mixer things, you know, that has all the good stuff on it. So anyway, so I was licking those things. We were talking and she was telling me about how my oldest cousin had just been fired from yet another job. And so then she launches into this speech about how I need to study hard and I need to make good grades and I need to go to college. Because I, and that way I need to get a good job because... God helps those who help themselves. And then she says, because that's written in the good book. And by the good book, I can only hope she meant, you know, like chicken soup for the soul because God helps those who help themselves is not in the Bible any more than may the force be with you. Okay. (laughs) None of those are in the Bible anywhere at all. Um, and, When it comes to this legend, you know, God helps those who help themselves. What we really mean by that is that um, God helps those men and women who tend to be self-reliant. That if we work hard and we give it our best effort, well, then that's the kind of effort that God tends to bless. And so that becomes good motivational fodder for, you know, seven-year-olds and trying to tell them to study hard. But when it comes to real life, I'll be honest with you, this legend can lead us to a very unspiritual place. And here's why. The first danger is, is that this legend tends to teach me, it implies to me, that I need to rely on myself. That if it is to be, then it's up to me. That's basically what this legend kind of gets at. It teaches us to become Self reliant to the point where, you know, we don't really need God. We don't need Him at all because this legend implies that as long as I work hard, then, um, then that's the effort God's going to bless. That bottom line says that if I work hard, and then I piously give God credit when it comes to the end, then bottom line it feels like He just kind of piggybacks on my best efforts, and at the end. Eventually, at some point, I come to the conclusion that, you know what? I'm the one doing all this. I don't really need God. And there's a second danger associated with this legend. Now, I th- honestly, I think it's just as sinister. And that is this, is that it implies that God is not involved in the day-to-day parts of our lives. That, that really, things are Pretty much up to us. I mean, you know, if we run into something like really, really big. Well, I mean, that's what I'm gonna need to call upon the Lord. But otherwise, I'm going to leave God alone. I mean, he's got bigger things to worry about than, you know, my son's grades or my interview or how I can, you know, build a relationship with the atheist in the cubicle right next to me. That, you know, bottom line, we end up viewing that God is disconnected from the day-to-day parts of life which honestly can lead us to believe that God's just not really that interested in my life and in the details of my day-to-day living. And so we become disconnected from the Lord at that point. Well, like all legends, you know, there's part, certainly part of this legend that it's just not true. And so what about, what is true? What does God say is true about this legend? So go ahead and pull out your message notes if you haven't done so already. And here it is. Here's what is true. The Lord helps the helpless. The Lord helps the helpless. Obviously, there is no better example of this truth than when the Lord offered us salvation in Christ. Let me describe to you the spiritual situation of humanity before Jesus Christ came along. Here's the deal. Humanity was separated from God by our own sin. I'll be honest with you, and we were helpless to do anything about it. See, here's the deal. We couldn't provide forgiveness for ourselves because we didn't sin against ourselves. We'd sinned against God. And so he's the only one that can provide forgiveness for us. We can't provide forgiveness for us. And so I want you to look at these verses. Look at this first one. In Romans chapter 5, verse 6, check it out. Here's what the Bible says. It says, look at it this way. At the right time, while we were still helpless, underline that, while we were still helpless, Christ died for ungodly people. Ephesians 2 5 says, though we were spiritually dead, circle those two words spiritually dead. While we were spiritually dead, I mean, though we were spiritually dead, because of the things we did against God, He gave us new life with Christ. You've been saved by God's grace. Look, this is why we were totally unable to help ourselves spiritually before Jesus Christ came along. It's not that we were spiritually weak, we were spiritually dead. And dead people don't accomplish anything. I'm not trying to be insensitive to anybody who might have recently lost someone. What I am pointing out is that what God says is true about anyone before they become a Christ follower. That we are spiritually dead and absolutely incapable of changing that situation. Look, that's why Christ died for us. He died so that we could live. He lived a sinless life. So bottom line, he didn't have any sins that needed to be forgiven. And so therefore, he wasn't spiritually dead. And so listen, then when he physically died, he had the authority and the ability to offer us forgiveness because of his death on the cross. Because his death offers payment for your sin and for mine. Now let me pause right here for just a moment. For those of you in the room that if you've never become a Christ follower, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you and then dedicate your life to following him from that point, from this point forward, then I want to give you a chance to do that. Because if you've never done that, then you're not a Christ follower and you will not go to heaven when you die. But you can. You can if you want to. You can become a Christ follower. You see, you can't go to heaven unless you're spiritually alive. And that happens when Jesus finally forgives you of all of your sin because it's your sin that makes you spiritually dead. That's the point. And so if you want to become a Christ follower, look, there's a simple prayer at the bottom of your message notes. I want you to pray that prayer right now. I want you to pray that prayer right now and make a commitment to become a Christ follower today. Look, that's an example of how God helps the helpless. He's like, here's the deal. As spiritually dead people, we're totally helpless to help ourselves. I mean, somebody could have said to me all day long, you know what, Mike? God helps those who help themselves. But before I was a Christ follower, I was spiritually dead and I was incapable of helping myself. I couldn't provide forgiveness for myself. I needed God to step in and help someone who was helpless. And that doesn't work just in the arena of forgiveness. Honestly, that is true in all areas of my life and of yours. Because God helps those who are helpless. Okay, so what am I supposed to do? What is it that God wants me to do? Here's the first thing. God wants to do two big things. Here's the first. Number one is this. He wants me to pray throughout the day about everything, big and small. I need to pray throughout the day about everything, big and small. Look what these verses say about depending on myself. Check it out. Jeremiah 17, 5. The Lord says, Cursed is the man who puts his trust in mortal man and turns his heart away from God. Proverbs 28, 26 says, Those who trust in themselves are fools. Then I want you to look at what the Bible says about how much God cares about the details of my life. Look at that. Look at it in Luke 12, 6 and 7. Jesus is talking. He says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. You see, this whole idea that God is not interested in the details of our lives, honestly, that's just nonsense. I mean, God is interested in everything in our life. The the idea that he's like, you know, too busy to be bothered with all the little stuff, honestly, it betrays just a very small view of who God is and, and his existence. I mean, look, it's not like the Lord is being tax the very limits of his power and his, of his knowledge just to you know kind of keep up with everything and then if i ask him for one little more itty bitty thing then all of a sudden god's gonna be stretched at the breaking point and he's gonna he's gonna snap and everything in the universe is gonna fall apart and the whole thing's gonna implode i mean that, that whole thought is just ridiculous the lord himself says he keeps track of everything easily Nothing on earth happens without his notice, even down to the smallest sparrow. It's even down to the point where he knows exactly how many hairs are on your head. And guys, for some of you, that's a pretty quick count. I'm just saying. So let me ask you, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Do you pray about everything throughout the day? Do you take everything, God, even the small stuff? Or do you handle the small stuff and only pray to God when you get in above your head? Because if that's how you handle life, the truth is you live by this legend. You pretty much handle it yourself unless you get in a crisis or an emergency situation. The Lord wants you to depend on everything. Look, if the only time you actually pray to God is when you're in church or, you know, maybe you say a quick prayer on your, on your way out the door in the morning, you're basically telling God, okay, you know what, God, I got this. I mean, I'll call on you if I really need you. You know, I might check in with you about lunchtime, you know, pray over my meal, that kind of thing. But other than that, I got this, Lord. Really? Or do we sound, sound silly? It sounds, it's, it's like, we need God to flex His power when it comes to blessing our ham sandwich. But I got the rest of my life all covered, Lord. Really? I mean, really? And so, look, if you're praying, already praying about all the things that are going on in your life, man, that's great because that means that you're depending on the Lord, you're seeking Him. And if you're not praying throughout the day, then start. And that, honestly, for the Christ follower, that's not an option. That's a command. Look what the Bible says. Look what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.16. The Bible says this. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Underline those two words in verse 17. Pray continually. You looking for a good memory verse? Two words right there, verse 17, pray continually. You can get it. Okay? Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for, underline this, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Basically, the Lord wants you and He wants me to be praying regularly throughout the day. You know what? This isn't just advice. This isn't just like a good idea or just words to live by. No. I want you to look at that part I had you underline. This is, say it with me, this is God's will for you. It's God's will for you. So would you make a commitment to pray regularly throughout the day? Because that's God's will for you. And for me too. There's a second thing that I need to do in order to combat this legend, and that's this. I need to put myself in a position where I have to rely on God. I need to put myself in a position where I have to rely on God. I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure there's a better story in the entire Bible that demonstrates this point than when David kills Goliath. Okay, Let me give you a quick summary of what's going on before we read it. Bottom line, David's a young man. He's, you know, probably 14, 15, maybe 16 years old. But Goliath is a seasoned warrior. The Bible says that Goliath is over nine feet tall. Now, we measured it this week. Um, that crossbar of the crossbar up there is just under nine feet. So basically, Goliath, it would have come up right about here on him. It'd have been hitting his nose on that crossbar. That's how big that is. So imagine how big Goliath is. And then if you can. Imagine like a short guy standing up next to that. I mean, if you can picture that, then you've got an idea of what was going on. I don't even know why that's so funny. That's like, it hurts. It hurts. So anyway, look, that's the deal. And it was a fight to the death. I don't think I can imagine a situation where somebody voluntarily put themselves in where they had to rely on God more than that. Look at the story. In 1 Samuel, chapter 17, the Bible says this. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. That's pretty bold talk for a short guy, don't you think? Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those who gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. Underline this phrase. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. Now, bottom line, David, at this point, he's declaring that it's not by his effort or his sword or his spear that they're going to win. He clearly doesn't believe this legend. Because, look, here's the deal. If he had taken this legend to heart. Then he would have taken it to the grave. He would have, because he's basically saying the battle isn't his. The battle is the Lord's. But notice David doesn't just sit there and like pray. Oh, God, please give Goliath a heart attack before he gets any closer. (laughs) He doesn't pray that. No, David fights the battle. And in so doing, he's putting himself in a position where he has to rely on God. The story continues. Verse 48. As the Philistine moved closer to him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran over and stood over him. I'm thinking he probably beat his chest at that point, you know. He took hold of the Philistine sword and drew it from the scabbard. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Now here's the point I want you to get out of this story this morning. David voluntarily put himself in a place where he had to rely on God. Look, nobody ordered David to fight Goliath. He volunteered. He volunteered. He deliberately put himself in a place where he had to rely on God. I want to confess something to you here this morning. I'm a much better Christian on the weeks when I have to preach. I am. I'm a much better Christian on the weekends when I have to preach. You know why? It's because when I have to preach, I am desperate. For God to give me the words, to give me the points, to give me the verses, to give me the topic, to tell me exactly what to say, exactly how to do it. I mean, I really am seeking the Lord with a sense of desperation because I got to get up and do this again this week and then next week and on and on and on. So on the weeks when I preach, I mean, I'm telling you, I have to rely on the Lord big time. And on the weekends when I don't preach, that sense of desperation, that sense of desperate need for God, it's not nearly as strong. So I'm a much better Christian when I have to preach. Because when I voluntarily put myself in a place where I have to rely on the Lord, it strengthens my relationship with Him. And I'll be honest, the same is true for you. When you voluntarily put yourself in a position where you have to rely on the Lord, it strengthens your relationship with Him. It makes you spiritually better off because you are seeking Him. When you voluntarily put yourself in that kind of a position, it makes you a better Christ follower. Because it combats this legend because you're not in a position where you... You need God more. So what can I do to voluntarily, just like David, put myself in a position to rely on the Lord? Well, let me give you some ideas. Here's the first. Teach a small group for adults, youth, or kids. Honestly, one of the best ways to, depend it, to be dependent on the Lord and to fight that sense of self-reliance it come, that comes with this legend in some form or fashion, it's to Teach. In fact, the Bible seems to say that after a short period of time, every Christ follower ought to be teaching at some level. Look what the Bible says. And and the writer's writing to everyone. He's just not writing like super Christians. He's writing to everyone. Look what the Bible says in Hebrews 5.12. It says, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. There's some of you today that you ought to be teaching. In some capacity. You've been a Christ follower long enough. Look. I mean there's a the deal. You're never going to know everything. But you don't have to. Before you start teaching. You just have to be willing. You just have to. Be willing. To volunteer for God. And look. I know. What you intuitively know. That you are are a better Christian, a better Christ follower, when you voluntarily put yourself in a position where you have to rely on God. Honestly, there's there's almost no better place to do that than by teaching. Because you, re, you when you teach, you have to rely on God to inspire you. You rely on God when you're preparing and when you're studying. You rely on God within the, uh, when you're during the moments when you are teaching, when people are asking you questions, you're hoping that God gives you the right answers and you're able to facilitate that discussion, you're able to lead that discussion, it it builds, there's a built-in dependency on God in those moments. Honestly, some of you, you need to be doing that. And for those of you that are already doing that, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for already doing that. But teaching's not the only thing. There's other things that people could do. Here's the next one. Talk about a different Bible verse at dinner each night. Use the Bible verse of the day that's found on the Parkway Fellowship mobile app. Go download that mobile app if you haven't done so already. It's got a verse of the day. Use that verse every day at dinner time and just talk about what you think it means. It puts you in a position where you've got to rely on God to inspire you and help you know how to apply that stuff. Here's another idea. Tell your spouse or your kids what you're learning in your daily time alone with God. Now, to make that happen, you actually have to have a daily time alone with God. Okay, that is somewhat of a prerequisite. Now, if you're a member here at Parkway Fellowship, I do a very thorough teaching on how to have a successful daily time alone with God in class 201. So if you've taken class 101, our membership class, we've already sent you a link To Class 201 if you've lost it or you know went to your spam, whatever if you'll just email the church or call the church We will send you another link to that But take class 201 if you haven't done it already. We've had hundreds of people take this class It's online easy to do right at your computer. Knock it out next Share your story about how you became a Christ follower with someone You know, maybe at work Maybe in the stands while you're watching a game or maybe with a neighbor or a family member look Bottom line, talk about, I mean, talk about putting yourself in a place where you're going to rely on God. I mean, just getting up the courage to tell someone about how you became a Christ follower and then depending on God to give you the right words to say so it'll touch their heart just like he's touched yours. I mean, that is a great way to do it. Here's another way to do it. Invite someone to church. Invite someone to church. In your seat are five invite cards to Easter. By the way, Easter's in Two weeks. Two weeks, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after, invite people to come. Just starting those conversations, getting up the courage to walk up somebody, or your cashier, or your waiter, or whoever, or your neighbor, and invite them to come to church. It puts you, it voluntarily puts you to place where you've got to depend on God, and it makes you a better Christ follower when you do. You see, this whole legend about you know God helps those who help themselves, it's just a legend. Like all the legends we've been talking about in this series. See, God cares about the details of your life down to the very hairs on your head. He cares about you passionately. And so therefore, He wants you and He wants me to develop that daily dependence on Him. So we pray to Him on a regular basis. But He also wants us to to voluntarily put ourselves in a place where we depend on Him. That helps combat that sense of self-reliance. And when we pray throughout the day and we voluntarily depend on him, do you know what that does? you know what we'll find out? We'll find out firsthand that God does indeed help those who are helpless. He helps those who need his help. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pull out your connection card. I want you to hold it right next to your message notes. I want you to look on the, on, I want you to check the next steps you're willing to take on the card as well as on the notes. Because you're going to take the notes home, but you're going to turn the card in, okay? Here's this first one I will not repeat this legend to anyone any longer. So stop saying it. Even to your seven year old grandkids, he's licking icing off of a mixer. Don't say it. Here next. I commit to pray throughout the day about things, big or small. Would you make that commitment? That's an awesome commitment. Would you do it? Here's the next one. Contact me about leading a small group for adults. We'll, and make sure your contact information is on the front. We'll email you. Contact me about leading a discussion group or a small group for youth. You want to work with teenagers? You ready to start teaching? Now's your chance. Check it, we'll contact you. Next one, contact me about leading a class or a small group for kids. You think you can teach at that level? Man, please do. And don't don't think it's like a lesser job because man, it's so important because kids, helping them build that foundation, it's, it's critical. It's vital. So if that's you, check that box. And don't worry, in none of these areas are we going to like stick you in a room with a bunch of people all by yourself, okay? We we don't do that to people, Okay. You'll be in there with someone and we'll train you. So don't, take, take all the fear out. Just take a step of faith and teach. Do it. Next, I will voluntarily put myself in a position where I have to rely on God. And that might be teaching or that might really be one of these other things. If you know for sure, like, uh, there's no way I could teach. I just like freak out. Then do something else. But voluntarily put yourself in a position where you have to rely on God. next. I'll memorize 1 Thessalonians five, sixteen through 18. Memorize all three verses. It's not hard. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Awesome set of verses. Next. I want to become a Christ follower for the first time in my life. Look, if early on in the message you prayed that prayer that's at the bottom of your message notes on how to become a Christ follower, then check that box. If you, if you didn't pray it earlier, but you're ready to pray it right now, then pray that prayer right now. Become a Christ follower today. Make sure you check that box because when you do, I'll mail you some free stuff in the mail that will help you get started. I also want you to pick up a new believer packet. It's on a table. Just before you walk outside each of these doors, just snag one on your way out, would you please? I'm going to pray for all of us as Pat and the worship team come back up. father i first want to say thank you that you've never left us by ourselves to fend for ourselves that for those in the room that are christ followers you've been watching out for us and providing for us and caring for us and numbering the hairs on our heads for a long time for those in this room that aren't christ followers that aren't christ followers yet god i ask that they would take that small step of faith to become one but for all of us father I ask that you would help us develop that daily dependence on you by seeking you about everything throughout the day. Big, small, you just want us to come to you. And I ask that you would help us to do that. I also ask that you would show us ways to voluntarily put ourselves in positions where we have to rely on you. Because it makes us better Christians. It makes us better Christ followers. And so I thank you that you always help us when we cry out to you for help. And I ask that you would bring us all back safely next week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app, for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.